back to the Sal Basima era podcast, the Spectacular Sal Basima era podcast, uh, covering his run on Spectacular Spider-Man alongside Jerry Conway and J.M.D. Mateus. We run it from the return of the Sin Eater all the way up till the Clone Saga. And tonight is Inferno Part 3, and we're kicking off with Web of Spider-Man number 48 before we get to our Spectacular issue, because their two are tied heavily together. Web of Spider-Man issue 48 was published March 1989 and by Jerry Conway. Uh, penciler Al Alex Seviak, uh, inker Keith Williams, colorist Janice uh, Cohen, letterer Rick Parker, and editor Jim Scalarup. In this issue, Spider-Man is still recovering from his injuries sustained earlier in Spectacular Spider-Man last episode, bolts up and runs out of the bugle thinking he is seeing demons after webbing Jameson's mouth shut. Uh, Eduardo Lobo and Gloria Grant are still trying to make their way back to the bugle and are attacked by a forklift and he kills it, making her fall further in love with him. Meanwhile, at the Kingpin's lair, he stops some demons from trying to kill the Arranger, all the while still obsessed over Daredevil. Jason Philip McAdale, the Hobgoblin, is not too pleased about what he has become, and after what he thinks he sees is a human-sized lizard, which it is, Kirk Connors, realizes only Spider-Man could possibly be responsible for what happened to him, because if Harry Osborn hadn't given him his dad's goblin formula, he wouldn't have had to make a deal with the demon to defeat Spider-Man. So it must be Spider-Man's fault. Moving on, Harry checks in on Aunt May and Chrissy to see how they are during Inferno, and MJ and her fashion crew are trapped inside the building, and they try to get out through the sewer. Hobgoblin finds Spider-Man and reveals his transformation during their battle and crashes into the sewer. MJ sees Peter and tries to help him, and she takes out Hobgoblin, and Hobgoblin crashes into a gas main and is killed, and we never see him again. Peter and MJ and the crew get out of the sewer and go back to Queens looking for Aunt May, who decides to go to New York to look for Peter. While Peter is over in Amazing Spider-Man 313, which we are not covering, Peter fights the lizard and teams up with him mm -hmm. temporarily to save his family, and Aunt May is safe and sound, but Kirk Connors realizes being the lizard is too dangerous for his family, and we never see him again until the 30th anniversary holographic specials. Of course. Which is true. We don't see the lizard again, actually, after this, after the events in this issue, uh, Inferno for several years. It's actually after the appearance, the first appearance of Carnage that the lizard finally returns. Um, the cover for this, I think, is fantastic. The Hobgoblin possessed, Web of Spider-Man, Inferno continues, with the Hobgoblin ripping off his mask. Yeah. What's funny, though, is that in the issue, he's not quite as demonic-looking as he was at the end of the previous Spectacular issue, but he still puts his mask back on, which is unusual, but I'll go with it. Um, I love it that Peter webs Jameson's mouth shut, and um, Kate Cushing, uh, the editor and acting currently editor-in-chief of the Daily Bugle, because Robbie is pending trial with the, what's happening with Tombstone, um, mentions mm -hmm. that webbing does resolve in an hour. <laughs> it's true. Um, so. The shenanigans and, and darkness and all of the craziness that's happening in this mirrors exactly what's happening over in the X-Men book. It does, but I have to be honest with you, Chris, I, I felt like I enjoyed this so much more because, yes, there was definitely the darkness, like you're dealing with the demons and, and the New York coming to life and trying to kill you, but this was a little bit more personal, a little bit more contained, and I think that's just because we're seeing how it affects Spider-Man and his cast versus all of the x-men and all of x-factor and right you know and, and for me 
like there, there were so many great little moments here. I mean, I'm sorry, like I got to give it to Kingpin. I mean, the guy took out a demon with one punch, like right, damn. And that's not the first time he'd encounter. That's not the last time he would encounter any kind of demonic thingy like that. He was instrumental in helping out um, Doctor Strange dealing with the uh, demonic dark force that uh, Baron Mordo put over the city during the Secret Empire storyline. Right. Which, by the way, currently he's hiring Baron Mordo to help deal with like the Tablet of Time and and Tablet of mm-hmm. Life and the Tablet storyline and King Kindred, uh, Kindred the uh, you know the Harry Osborn demon mm-hmm. um, and, and stuff like that. So demons and Spider Man are going hand in hand. Um, anyway, uh, Hobgoblin crying is a little bit much. I also find it funny. Yeah. So all the events of the Inferno storyline are happening within a day or two. Right. I don't know what it's like to fall in love. It's been a long time since I've fallen in love. But I guess saving your life from a runaway forklift trying to eat you and looking as good as he does, Eduardo it's Lobo married. has Moria falling in love with him that quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that, oh, I mean, Leo, is that how you did it? Is that how you made Megan fall in love with you? Uh, yeah, you just you punched a forklift? Yeah, that that was it. Nah, it takes time. Takes time. Also, it shows that Gloria <laughs> is into bestiality because Eduardo Lobo is a werewolf. Uh, moving on. <laughs> you, you always need to uh, bring out the bright spots there, Chris. I do, I do. Yeah. Uh, it is also very funny that for whatever random shot, we see the lizard crawling through the vines. <laughs> And it's like, are you serious, uh, Hobgoblin? All the time that you have been at least a mercenary jack-o'-lantern, you have never heard of the lizard or run into, like, anamorphic, you know, creatures in the Marvel Universe? <laughs> well, and how big is yeah. how big is the city to and for him to, like, randomly, like, you know, run into him? Right, totally. Again, it's very funny. He puts the mask on even though he is transforming into a demon. He still has all his hair. But by the time we get to his fight with Spider-Man, his hair is gone, and he's looking there. <laughs> yeah, and and also first things first about the lizard. I mean, I don't even know what park that is because that's Central Park. You know, he could you could find anything in Central Park. Like that's a scary place. And then, like I, I felt the same way. He's turning into a demon. Personally, I would think it's even scarier. You just see that guy in the red eyes and 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 whatnot. But he puts the mask back on as if, well, I got to keep that secret identity. No one's going to need to know the old demon face. And I'm just like, you're, Mass and Dale, go home. You're drunk. Like, good God. Yeah, it just God. gets worse for him. Um, we will cover all of the Hobgoblin shenanigans when we get to them. Um, maybe not entirely on this podcast, but there, the, he does return. He will return in Spectacular. Uh, as well as another oh, yeah. villain that will be coming up very soon. And uh, he gets worse and worse and worse. <laughs> uh, totally great stuff with Ghost Rider. Great stuff with Doctor Strange. Great stuff with uh, uh, with Ghost Rider again, at least a couple times with Ghost Rider. So yeah. um, Mary Jane grabbing the guy's lighter and saying, she's he's like, oh, Mary Jane, the gas pipe will explode. And she's like, that's what I'm hoping for. I got to save my husband. <laughs> Yeah. And this is why like Mary Jane is always considered to be, if not the best supporting character to Spider-Man, probably next to Aunt May, but one mm. of the best supporting characters ever, even trumping, yes, Lois Lane. Wow. I didn't know that there was that talk. Um, I mean, I can kind of see it. I mean, she's 
look like everybody here, all the people she's with are just being impractical and, and panicky and wimpy, you know, but she's the strong person. And like, look, she's figuring she she figured shit out in the studio. Here she is in, in the sewer figuring shit out. I mean, she literally made a mini, uh, I wouldn't say mini flamethrower, but, you know, she basically figured it out and accidentally helped defeat a Spider-Man villain. And she has no powers. That's right. pretty funny. Right. And she's like, Peter, how the hell did he get so powerful? And he's like, I don't know. And, uh, you know, also with uh, the uh, ongoing saga of Christy wanting to bang, you know, her cousin's husband. Not really oh fantastic. Ever since Kelly's brought it up, I can't unsee that. I'm just watching this, this redheaded little, I'm like, you sneaky bitch. Yeah, right. she doesn't. Uh, yeah, she sticks around for quite some time. But uh, that's pretty yeah, much yeah. it. And then, the, and then it continues into the amazing. As I mentioned, now the amazing issue features Spider-Man very heavily fighting the Lizard, which is fantastic yeah. because he has another title called the Spectacular Spider-Man, which he is not in whatsoever. Which is, I think, a great way to be like, okay, so Spider-Man's over here dealing with the full-grown Lizard. What is his other cast of characters dealing with? Oh, Return of the Living Dead. And Drew has a plot mm-hmm. stop for uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 148. I totally do. Thank you, Chris. I always like when I transition, I feel like I'm reading the news. You know, all right, welcome to Spectacular Spider-Man 148. And uh, this, yes. So this was definitely one of the best reads that I had of Inferno, I have to say, especially because being a horror movie Terrifying. fan, I love it. Beautiful. So this Spectacular Spider-Man, uh, num- issue 148, published March 1989. Writer Jerry Conway, uh, penciler, inker, and inker, of course, is uh, Chris's favorite, Sal Bushima. Then you got the colors, Bob Sharon, letterer, Rick Parker, and the editor, Jim Salakrup. So this is the end, and it couldn't be a more fitting end to the nightmare that was uh, Inferno. So we basically start off in a cemetery where we have some real Night of the Living Dead kind of action. You know, the corpse of Ned Lead coming up. And then, oh, there's Betty Betty Brant. And then Spider-Man. No, and Gwen no, that's, that's Gwen Stacy, not Betty Brant. Oh, right. Sorry. Sorry. I got I got, I got got excited, kids. I'm very, Betty I really is having them. the nightmare of seeing right, right, right. people come back so, from the dead. By the way, her and Gwen never have any interaction ever. That one of the mm-hmm. biggest continuity flubs they say uh, th- that makes no sense is Gwen died before Betty came back into the picture. So random. So you have all these corpses, and then you find out it's all part of Betty's. Like Betty's having a nightmare because she's hanging out with Flash Thompson at, at his, <laughs> yeah before yeah, you know pre anti venom at his apartment. So Flash is trying to be, you know, the good guy because Betty has been through a lot. I mean, Ned Leeds died. And essentially... Do, we know, do you know why? Hold up, backing up. Do you know why Ned Leeds is dead? Yeah, it's because of the whole Hobgoblin thing. Well, it's because right. he was killed by... If, if memory serves, it was the either foreigner. he was killed... Yeah, the foreigner. He was the foreigner. He was killed. And then it, he was like it was, it was it was basically killed and he was kind of framed to look like he was the hobgoblin by was it kingsley or massendale framed him i don't remember kingsley hypnotized him so the rose the foreigner yeah. and a couple other people that were aware who the hobgoblin was would mm-hmm. be led to believe that ned leeds is the hobgoblin and yeah. ned leeds was put in his place uh to uh to you know talk and hang out and be buddy buddies with uh richard fisk 
Uh, it was all retcon later on in Hobgoblin Lives 1 through 3, which came out, I'm not even joking, the day, the week after the Clone Saga ended in the 90s. <laughs> Roger, Roger Stern, Roger Stern uh, writer of Superman, The Life and Death, was like, I want to do this retcon of fixing the Hobgoblin, who he really is, so we can bring him back. But I right. ain't doing it during that Clone Saga nonsense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's very smart. Having met right, him, right. very smart, smart man. So back to his that. So you have Betty and Flash. They're 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 basically worried about this whole thing. You know, they're boarding up the windows. It really has that that Night of the Living Dead vibe because it's 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 hell out there, and both of them are you know both of them are. Wishing, oh, Spider-Man. And, of course, it's funny because, you know, Flash, Spider-Man is his hero. Betty is not a fan of Spider-Man because she still blames him for the death of her brother, Bennett, years ago. Or is it weeks ago, Chris? Time is very funny in comics. Uh, but... Spider-Man <laughs> right after he became Spider-Man. There you go. So, but... really long time ago. Really, really long time ago. He's still yeah. happened. So... Unfortunately for these two, being so cute together, uh, they gain the attention of two demons who decide, hey, we're going to play with our food before we eat it. Because as you know, demons are obsessed with eating people in Inferno. And as we've heard from Chris in another episode of What If, that they legit actually did eat people. So so you have two, you have basically the horror movie mistake. You have the, the, the two characters are split up. You have Flash going on the roof. He meets Spider-Man. He's like, oh, my God, Spider-Man, you're here to help us and stuff. And he's like, psych, I'm actually not here to help with shit. I'm going to get you killed, and then I'm going to eat you. And he's like, Spider-Man, no, why? Is it because I can because I'm Spider-Man, bitch? So you have that because essentially you have him set up to be struck by lightning. And then you have Betty. She's still freaking out because she's just a nervous, neurotic mess right now. Because again, you know, she's been through a lot in her life and she lost her husband, who is her whole world and her total uh, support system until, hey, guess who's back? It's Ned as a corpse. Because why not? <laughs> and he's haunting her. And Ned is, you know, basically saying, but Ned is basically haunting her and saying all this stuff. And then she even supposedly, although it's not really said clearly, she gets visited by Ned's spirit that's basically Obi-Waning her and says, hey, you know, I can't do shit to help you, but you can help you, girl. And that's her her moral, morale standpoint thing of getting her back together. So you have Flash fighting uh, fake Spidey, you know, evil demon Spidey. Um, who that whole fight is totally weird because Flash pulls off the evil Spider-Man's face and you see like a demonic version of the Spidey mask, which props to Sal because that was just so cool Um, because it would have been so easy. And Chris, I'm sure you agree with me. It would been so easy to show a demon face, but you know, it was just what a twist. So you have everything basically coming back to the apartment itself. You have Betty dealing with, you know, not Ned, and you have Flash dealing with not Spidey, and they realize that they're not the real deal. So the demons basically give up, give themselves up. They're like, oh, wow, we're going to now eat you. <laughs> so Betty then decides to pull a totally boss kind of Ripley move, takes this gas heater that they've been toying with the entire time, throws it at the demons, as it's already been broken, literally blows up their entire apartment 
because why not? And so the moral of the story is, kids, instead of waiting for a hero to save you, be your own hero, kick demon butt. Bruce Campbell lives. A couple things about the uh, tombstones in this issue that uh, was pointed out to me, and I got to find it again. Um, Ned's tombstone says 1955, born in 1955, died in 1986. Very topical considering there's a sliding time scale in the, uh, you know, Earth 616 of the Marvel Universe. Ned would be 31 years old when he was murdered at the hands of, uh, of uh, the foreigner in Spider-Man vs. Wolverine, number one, which is where... Peter and Ned's, uh, Ned are on assignment for the Daily Bugle in Germany, and that is when Ned is killed. Uh, and that is revealed in uh, Amazing Spider-Man 289. Gwen Stacy's tombstone, I don't know if it has a date on it, but Gwen doesn't come back, obviously, for other than the dream sequence. Spider-Man does have a tombstone because Craven the Hunter buried him alive. And his yep. tombstone was intact there for however long it was. I don't ever remember whenever they finally got around to knocking it down. By the way, it was Amazing Spider-Man number 11 is when um, Bennett is killed. Doc Ock came back in issue mm-hmm. 10, but he's killed in issue 11. Uh, Bennett mm-hmm. is. And they uh, also, uh, Flash talks about the cult that Betty was part of. It's called a cult of love. And it ran in the Web of Spider-Man uh, storyline. And Peter mm-hmm. and uh, P- Flash asked Peter to get a hold of Spider-Man because uh, Betty has joined a cult because of the death of Ned Leeds. When Betty attended the pre-party for Peter and MJ's wedding, whatever that's called. Um, she says, oh, don't worry. Me and Ned will be there. And Peter's like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. Um, he- Flash Thompson and Betty would date off and on when she thought that Ned was cheating on her, but he was actually being hypnotized to be the Hobgoblin. Flash mm-hmm. was there to call her. And then later on, when Flash had his legs chopped off, uh, unfortunately, due to uh, rescuing his unit in uh, the war in Iraq, he, uh, mm-hmm. him and uh, Betty would uh, get together and bang. Yep. Um, no joke. Betty, uh, they actually, Marvel took the real-life story of a uh, Medal of Honor uh, veteran who actually lost his legs in the war in Iraq over the last 10 or so years. I don't quite remember when it happened and gave that story to Ned Leeds in honor, uh, sorry, Flash Thompson in honor of him. And he was oh, he's still alive today. He's hes doing well. He has mechanical legs now, but he was more than honored to have his story used in Spider-Man. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's definitely a big deal and it's one of the better times that you can see real life inspiring comics. Right. So it's also very I, funny, I, though, that you wonder, I, 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 obviously the Scream anti-Venom issue has not come out yet, but uh, mm-hmm. with, with Flash returning from the dead, you're kind of wondering, does God or whoever's in charge of returning people from the dead give Flash his legs back? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a good question, and that would and definitely be... Venom, an anti-Venom to walk, because he was... Yeah. He, when he was flashed off, then he's in a wheelchair. Yep. It's just... I don't know. It, it, that, that's around the same logic that suddenly we gave Barbara Gordon the ability to walk again after changing what happened in Killing Joke. So, well, you know. that because of an experimental uh, microchip that uh, attached to her spinal cord helps her walk, and that technology does exist today. It's extremely experimental. It's a very. It's cost billions of dollars, but that technology that they gave Barbara to walk does exist, and people have used it. Dope. But yeah. back back to this story, it was just so nice to see both Flash and Betty in this early time, you know, have a story to themselves that Spider-Man really plays very little part in. And it was such a great tail end because like you said, Chris, 
we're always seeing how it affects you know the 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 superheroes and the people closest to them but this kind of showed how it, this affects the other people. I mean, it's the same as that one issue where you had Joe Robertson fighting off dudes with chainsaws. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get really into Joe Robertson's backstory a lot coming up in two issues. Absolutely. And it's yeah. just this to me had so many great horror-esque moments, which I personally I loved. And I thought Sal really got that nice appeal to it. Like I saw... I felt like I was watching. There were certain scenes in it that felt very much Night of the Living Dead. You know, yep. the the crying girl against the door while the the the, the zombies tapping the boarded up windows. Though we can't go outside, it's hell out there. Right, um, and um, just uh, Ned Leeds is still dead as of today. Uh, he never came back, thankfully. However, uh, he did get cloned, and or his body got reanimated into a clone body mm-hmm. from the clone conspiracy shenanigans, piece of crap Dan Slott storyline that Kelly and I both hate. But mm-hmm. uh, there is something Ned has to tell Betty that the clone knew that has still yet been revealed, which is interesting. Oh, okay. What that is is possibly I have our child. No, I don't know. It's it's obviously. <laughs> That doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Anyway, no. uh, it, it, it's uh, it, Betty Leeds, uh, Betty Brandt, whatever her name is currently, has never died, by the way, and brought back to life. Just so everyone knows. Yeah, she's still still going. Yeah, she's and still that, alive. Never been killed off. Uh, Flash, well, he got killed off by the green, the the Norman Osborn, the Red Goblin, and Amazing Spider-Man number mm-hmm. eight hundred. <laughs> yeah, and it's. It, it, uh, the other thing being what I loved is that this is such a funny, like, and simple way that they stop the demons. And and you took out two yeah. with a, a little portable space heater. I mean, honestly, it felt like, to me, looking back on it, 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 it Ripley wasn't really the greatest analogy. It felt like John McClane taking out all the terrorists one by one with just his own brains and in good old fashioned uh, MacGyver ingenuity. And it was awesome. And, you know, because the demons did exactly what demons do. You know, they play on your fears. They they try to make you doubt yourself. They take the vices of things that you're afraid of or things that you love and call out your, your fears and all of it. But it, I guess because of maybe the time or how it was written, nothing here felt really cliche. It was all very tight. It, nothing felt wasted. And that's something I love about the way Conway and Bushama work together. Every panel mattered. Every moment was was well-coordinated. And it to me, it felt like we were watching a... a, 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 a um, it really felt like we were watching a movie. Like I could easily have seen someone shoot this frame for frame. And it would be a really intriguing little mini, um, little mini Spider-Man horror movie. Definitely. Um, and they talk about in the letters page that uh, everyone's asking uh, questions about the annual, which uh, took place prior to Inferno, and asking mm-hmm. about the uh, revelations of the Gwen Stacy clone and what that all means. And we will actually get into all of that with our next episode in two weeks with Zach from the Spectacular, uh, sorry, from the uh, the Spider Clone podcast which has just ended mm-hmm. where he covered every single goddamn clone saga tie in everything oh god yeah Good for him so, yeah <laughs> uh, 
the uh, ads in this issue are the same as they have been before. Um, I love this controller. Warning, may be fatal to your competition. EPYX controller. It's good for your Apple, IBM, Amiga, Commodore, Atari, Nintendo, and Sega. How? Wow. Just hearing that made me feel old. Yeah, but hold on, hold on, hold on. How? I, we, <laughs> don't ask me. Oh, it's got multiple. I, I don't know. I, I, I have to see if my roommate has it because he has every single Atari game ever made. It's called the EPX 500XJ. And I'm not even joking. He yeah, has but, every single Atari game ever made. Yeah, but you, you'd have to have an adapter for each system. Because I, I, yeah, okay. Move on. Yeah. Um, so, oh, by the way, uh, Ned gets a mention in the uh, letter pages. Ned leads to Gwen to a doctor who subsequently tests proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that her mystery lady was just someone else made up to look like Gwen biologically. Otherwise, the second Gwen was identical to the first down to her fingerprints. I do love the fact that all four letters printed in the spectacular Spider-Man letter page are asking about the Gwen clone and carry on. And they're like, oh, yeah, what about that? Oh, yeah, what a mystery. Ooh, maybe we'll possibly get to it. <laughs> and then it says, next issue, what about carry-on? Enough said. Because <laughs> they there had a continuity errors involving the spider clones and carry-on. Until the next time they decided to mess up the continuity. <laughs> but, but I give it to the writers. They did it in one issue. And when we get to it in two weeks... That was the issue with Spectacular Spider-Man I had to own as a kid because I didn't know what was going on in that cover. And reading it, I I, I, I just started getting into the Clone Saga and was wondering, what the mm. hell is a carry-on? And, and it blew my mind, and I can't wait to cover it. So that will be in two weeks on the Salvasuma era podcast, Spectacular Spider-Man. You can find me on... Goth Girl Horror, we just put out a new episode, Hackslash issue number five, and we have issue six, seven, and eight coming up in about another week or so, and you can also check out Lada, A Dracula Tale at your local comic book store, That's Entertainment, Laughing Shield, or re- uh, coming up soon, Harrison Comics and Magic Parlor in Salem, Massachusetts will have the copies. Or go to Lada, A Dracula Tale on Facebook. Where can everyone find everyone else? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I'm Drew Mallo. I'm on Instagram, ni- Ghostbuster Man 1984. I'm a writer for Screen Rant. You can look me up, Drew Mallo Screen Rant. We'll catch you guys later. Bye.